Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Ice the Kicker. We're starting season two of the podcast as the 2021-2022 NFL season is days away as it kicks off um, a couple days from when we're recording on Thursday with the defending Super Bowl champion Buccaneers against the Dallas Cowboys. Hi, everybody. My name is Glenn Denegris, alongside, as always, Matt Ferrara. Last time we spoke to you guys was shortly after the NFL draft back in April. Was it April or was it delayed? Yeah. It was April. It was, it was yeah, April, May. It was April. I don't know when anything happens anymore. Now that it's <laughs> ever since COVID happened, I never know when, what was when. So mm-hmm. it was a, in a, it was in April. And apparently that was the last time we had a show. So we went this whole summer without talking football. It's finally time. It's finally after Labor Day. So it's football season. So Matt, how was your summer before we get going into this? I had a very, uh, very great summer now trying to get into the real world. But I mean, that's part of life. I mean, you just recent grad, right? Or yeah, for a recent recent grad, grad for the second time. <laughs> recent graduate. And, you know, you get when you graduate college, you get that one summer just to kind of like get like brace yourself for the rest of your life. And now that summer is over. So now you that gotta, was it. Start, now you got to start working, man. You got to start working. <laughs> exactly. You got to do that for 60 years and then you die. That's, that's Can't wait. how it works. Like that's the classic. I don't know if you remember, but there's the classic SpongeBob episode where Squidward's like, "I the order the customer orders the food, I give the order to you. You cook the food, I give yeah. it to the customer." <laughs> we do that for forty years, and then we die. It's just one of those classic SpongeBob <laughs> lines that I just that sticks with me, especially now well. in my twenties. Speaking of like growing up being in your twenties, did you see the the tweet with Steve from Blue's Clues? Yes, I did. That was fucked yes, up. Yes, I did. That was yeah, that not was... right. Was, no, yeah, I wasn't expecting that one. Not, I did not need that on this Tuesday evening. I was like, what the hell? I was like in a puddle of my own tears with Steve from Blues Clues. I don't know if you had the same reaction, but when he went to college in that episode, this is not about football at all, but we'll get to football eventually. Yeah. When he we'll left for college, I was a wreck. I was like four years old. Um, I was I, I was inconsolable for weeks. I don't know if you had a similar reaction, but that's just that, that was just a full full circle moment for me today with Steve from Blues Clues. Um, that right. But but that's not why we're here. We're here to talk about football. And you know, it was a very interesting offseason. Uh, we haven't been able to talk about it much because we haven't had a show. Um, a couple of points that we should just get out of the way that happened from the last podcast to now. I feel like the biggest thing was Rogers re-upping with Green Bay. That was a big thing. What's he going to do? Is he really going to leave? Is he going to retire for the Jeopardy job? Um, but, you know, they work it out where he gets at least one more season with mm-hmm. Green Bay, and I think this is something that had to happen. Green Bay couldn't afford to play the season without Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty weird situation because it's like it's it's almost like you're about to get divorced, but you say, "Hey, listen, let's let's give it another year." Yeah. But you're pretty let's much play, guaranteed that it's kids to go to college. Before. Let's <laughs> yes, like, yes, exactly. They move away to college and then we'll get divorced. That's what it's like. Hey, listen, we're we're gonna have a, a fun time in this year, but I think for Packer Nation there they're going to need to learn to love Jordan Love sooner than they maybe rather have hoped. And it's kind of weird because, like, what if they win the Super Bowl? It's like, is he still going to leave? And mm-hmm. the answer is probably yes, which is weird. But I, I think it's just going to be a very strange year for the Packers. And I think if they kind of hit a little downturn, say, late in the season, they might just go to Jordan Love and say, screw it. Like, what do they owe, I guess, Aaron Rodgers then in one of those kind of weird situations? Yeah, but I don't think that's what their anticipation is right now. They brought him back because yeah. they're trying to go one more time for the Super Bowl. Because, you know, amazingly and kind of sadly, if you think about it, he only has that one. Not only does he have that one, he hasn't appeared in another. So he just went to that one yeah. Super Bowl. Uh, has to be 10 years ago now. If I'm Oh, my God, yeah. Against, over against the Steelers? He yeah. Steelers in Dallas. And, you know, Rodgers is a guy, one of the all-time great quarterbacks. You would think he would be on the level of Brady going for, you know, going for three or four at this point. But he only has that one. His, you know, team has, you know, lost in the divisional and the conference championship rounds multiple times throughout the last decade since they've won. And that's why Aaron Rodgers was upset this whole time because, you know, they didn't help him. They don't spend money to get him the weapons that he deserves. Yes, they they do have Devontae Adams, who's fantastic, but they don't really, they don't help. They don't help through the draft. That's why he was mad about Jordan Love because they drafted Mm -hmm. his successor instead of, you know, I'm still here right now. I'm still an MVP player. Get me help. Um, Yeah. So just, there's just been a disconnect between Rodgers and the front office for years now. And now, Mm -hmm. They're going to give it one more shot 
And then in all likelihood, Rodgers is gone. Does he go to Jeopardy? I don't know. Does he go to another NFL team? I don't know. That's a different, mm-hmm. different subject for a different show months from now. But, you know, Aaron Rodgers steps on the field. Green Bay is the instant favorite in the NFC North. Yeah. That's, that goes without Definitely. saying. Um, we don't know what the Bears are going to be. We don't know when Justin Fields is going to start. We can talk about that later because right now, you know, Dalton is QB1 and everyone's mm-hmm. I think that's absurd. Um, you know, the Vikings are always around, but you don't really trust them. They never mm-hmm. really go over the top. So, you know, it's the Packers and then any, everyone else in that division. And really, if you think about the NFC, you know, we were both on, you know, a 365 days ago, we did our first show. We both had the Seahawks going to the Super Bowl in the NFC, and that didn't happen. The Seahawks, nope. you know, the offensive line is bad. Um, mm-hmm. Russell Wilson's kind of on that Aaron Rodgers level of aggravation with his organization. So we don't know if the Seahawks are for real. We don't know what the Niners are going to be. We don't know really what that what that division is going to be. We don't know what the Rams are going to be with um, with Stafford instead of Goff. So that's a lot of question marks. Obviously, the NFC East is a mess. We don't really think that there's going to be a real Super Bowl contender out of that division. So you think mm-hmm. about it, it's really Packers, it's Buccaneers, and then the field in the NFC. Yeah, I mean, like you said, the only team that really kind of excites me out of there besides the two obvious like you just said would maybe be the rams and see what what uh sean mcveigh can do with stafford mm-hmm. but like like outside of that like the saints i don't really have a lot of love for like again same thing with the nfc east like when you're talking about super bowl contenders or at least representing the nfc i don't think it's coming out of there like you said and it really is only kind of a couple teams and again to to piggyback off what we just talked about rogers I'm sure he's well aware of, hey, listen, if it's not with the Packers this year, like what other team, and I'm assuming in the NFC, would he look at to play for? Yeah, I mean, that's probably the big talking point they had in the negotiations to try to bring him back. They were probably like, listen, it's us and the Buccaneers, and there's really nobody else. So if you re-up with us, you know, there's a good chance you're going to be back to where things left off last January and seeing the Buccaneers in uh, in the conference championship game. So that's going to be – that's going to be – kind of where we kind of judge the Packers because kind of what they do in the regular season isn't going to matter because with the expanded mm-hmm. playoffs with the wild card, they're, they're definitely going to make the playoffs. I don't think that's a question. So yeah. it's just at this point, how far in the playoffs do you go? Do you get past the conference championship? Cause they've lost the last two years to, into the Buccaneers and the Niners the year before. So it's a big year for the Packers. I think it's their mm-hmm. last shot to get that second Super Bowl with Rodgers, and then that's a scary thing because we don't know what Jordan Love is going to be when yeah. things move on. We don't even know if they just decide to reset and get somebody other than Jordan Love because when yeah. Brett Favre retired, you knew Rodgers was just going to slide in there and things were going to mm-hmm. be okay. But for the first time in a lot of Packers fans' lives, like the from you know childhood to the 35-year-old Packer fan, this is the first time where you don't know what the Packers are going to look like in the future. So this is like the yeah. last year of, you know, this is for sure going to be a team that can challenge for the Super Bowl. Anything after that, it's very cloudy in Green Bay in terms of the future of that organization. Yeah. I mean, again, just to, I guess now segue into the, the Buccaneers, it really is crazy when you think about the landscape of NFL when Tom Brady decided to go to the Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. Like think about like, like he goes there, they make a couple other moves here and there. And they're one of two contending teams. Like it, it's a very strange vibe when you really look at it on paper. That there are again, there's a ton of great talent out there in the NFC, but when you really look at Super Bowl contending teams, teams that could beat the Chiefs or can beat the Bills, there's only really two. And and one of them basically just got formed up and rebuilt last year. So it, it really is kind of one of those situations. Like, hey, listen, if, T- if Tampa Bay can do it and rebuild it in a year by getting a 42 year old quarterback then i think other teams really need to start figuring it out i don't think i've ever seen a roster stay as intact from season to season as this buccaneers team has they've all bought in for the exception of i think antonio brown's not there is he i think he is he's he's still there yeah there's one person that i think left but other than that that's not besides the point the entire roster is still there that's unheard yeah, like of. All the big name in the NFL. guys in a in a salary cap sport, it's unheard of for you know a fifty three roster to have a hundred percent turnover from year to year. That's really you know people buy in to Brady. People take pay cuts to play with Brady. 
And you keep waiting for the shoe to fall for him not to be the same guy. And there were points last year in the regular season where you thought that happened because the Buccaneers weren't the Buccaneers weren't the Chiefs last year in the regular season. Like they had a mm, lot of especially early spots. on. Yeah, they had a lot of bumpy spots where they had to learn how to play with each other. This is the first time Brady's been somewhere else. Um, you know, they just brought a lot of people together and they had to have it mesh like all at once. And they had no remember they had no training camp and no no preseason. So it was not entirely great for the first seven or eight weeks. Remember, they got destroyed mm-hmm. by the Chiefs, I think, in the regular season. Everyone's like this. And the Saints beat yeah, them twice, and they're, yeah, they're a division rival. And we were like, maybe this is just not going to work out year one with Brady. You're going to have to wait for next year when everything mm-hmm. really falls into place and you have a full offseason. But they ended up winning the Super Bowl, and that's just the power of Tom Brady. And now going into 2021 with everyone back and everyone knowing each other, and mm-hmm. as we've stated before, um, just a second ago, a very weak conference. There's no reason to think that they wouldn't be in position to go back to back or at least represent the NFC for the second straight year in the Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, like you said, with players buying in, willing to take pay cuts too, I think what Brady does, and obviously it's because of his age, but also his skill, is that there's no uncertainty with the life cycle of the team. They know, hey, listen, we have Tom Brady at quarterback. We're buying in. We're going to win right now. We're not going to really think about like, oh, let me trade this guy for a couple picks or maybe let, let me draft a developmental guy that will maybe be good three, four years from now. Like, they're, no, they're getting guys who are ready to win now. And then they're re-signing guys like Shaq Barrett and Devin White who are ready to help them win now. The Dom Kong Su is still there. He's ready to win now. Stuff like that. Like that it, it just – what he does makes the owner's job a lot easier too because, listen, you're going to be spending maybe a lot more money than they would like to. But the uh, risk reward is that, hey, you're giving yourself the best chance to go win a Super Bowl, and then the owners will get rich off that anyway. So, I mean, it's just what they do and what it does and what Tom Brady's doing for them is just awesome. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you think about what the Patriots have to deal with now that Brady's gone, and that's a segue maybe into the AFC part of the show. Um, there's, a new, there's a new quarterback in New England, mm-hmm. and they cut Cam Newton, and they're going – head first dive into the Mac Jones era in new England. And I don't know, I, I've been I'm interested in your take on this. Do you think this is a wise decision to take the training wheels off before he even has one regular season NFL snap, not having a capable backup like Cam Newton could have been, or do you think this is a nice vote of confidence for the young kid to say, go get him. We're going to, we're riding with you kind of like about how the jets are doing with Zach Wilson. Um, I've always been an advocate. If you get a rookie quarterback, first round quarterback, play him, let him go. Um, but unlike how, you know, Justin Fields is being treated in Chicago. So what do you think mm-hmm. about what the Patriots are doing? Just having Mac Jones be the guy and letting go of Cam Newton. I think the, the letting go of Cam Newton part definitely surprised me, but I definitely like them starting him. I'm not a big Cam Newton fan. And I think the Patriots definitely saw that, hey, even if, say, Cam Newton was a, was better than Mac Jones, was he that much better where it made sense to, to put him in? Like, it, it's – it's and, and I think that's going to be a question that a lot of other teams like the Niners and like the uh, like the Bears are going to ask themselves too. Is our Garoppolo better than Lance? Is our uh, Dalton better than Justin Fields? And I think in this situation, Cam Newton was not really that much better – than Mac Jones. So why not just kind of let him rock? And again, I think getting that full training camp and getting those three preseason games is paramount to their development. And I know obviously Justin Herbert was a glitch in the matrix where he didn't need any of that. And he still balled out, but you think about it. If you don't see what Mac Jones can do in those live games this year, he probably isn't starting. Cam Newton probably still has a starting job. So I think they definitely saw enough. And I think Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick are great enough coaches where they can figure out a way to make him comfortable. He's not going to have to throw the ball 50 times like you had to see Burrow kind of really do. So I think he's definitely in probably the best situation right now with everything kind of surrounding him. They always have a great old line, no matter who the names are. So I definitely like the move to start him, but to cut Cam Newton was definitely a little questionable. It's questioning to me, especially because of the money they spent in the offseason. They spent Mm -hmm. a ton of money on both sides of the ball to get back into the playoffs because, you know, New England, 
kind of like how the Lakers are in basketball, the Yankees are in baseball. You don't make the playoffs. That's an embarrassment. And you've been making the playoffs for that fan base is, you know, not good enough, especially for the like millennial aged fan base when all they know is conference championships and Super Bowls. Like before Brady, the Patriots were the fourth team in that city. Like it went, it went Red Sox, it went Celtics, it went Bruins, and the Patriots were the forgotten team. And then Brady really mm-hmm. put them on the map where people actually cared about them. Now the expectation and the history tells you that the Patriots need to be a contender every year. And, you know, the Kraft family bought that. And not making the playoffs for the first for the first time in since that Matt Castle year and the second time in two decades, that's embarrassing. So they spent a lot of money on you know the defense. They bought some tight ends, they had weapons for whoever the quarterback was gonna be, and then they decided to mm-hmm. cut with Cam Newton, a veteran presence, a former MVP, a former Super Bowl starting quarterback. And that that's a lot of pressure on Mac Jones. He has to produce now, it's not the easiest landing spot if you're a rookie quarterback to replace mm-hmm. Tom Brady and be in an organization that expects to win um, and has a history of winning. It's a lot easier for a guy like Zach Wilson on the Jets who comes from who, who's coming to an organization that never wins is, mm-hmm. you know, by most accounts, the second team in that city anyway. And yeah. he hasn't had a real great brand name quarterback in 50 years. So this is a very rough landing spot for Mac Jones and they must have all the confidence in the world that he's going to get it done because they wouldn't put all that pressure on him so quick if they didn't Mm -hmm. believe in him. I think, yeah, and and part of that. And and just like one last point, Bill Belichick's too smart to put him under that pressure if he didn't think that he was capable of handling it. Yeah. And, and and I think too, what you see with a lot of other teams who are kind of rebuilding. And that's essentially what the Patriots did this past season was rebuild, but they rebuilt through free agency and, and one draft pick via Mac Jones. They did like, they it's a lot of other teams when they are rebuilding, usually it's a two, three year rebuild where they have a lot of draft picks. They kind of let them develop their salary cap still down, stuff like that. They kind of rush the process in a sense. So I'm very interested to see how it works if guys like Nelson Aguilar and Hunter Henry and Johnu Smith like some of their premier uh signings if those guys are kind of just average like maybe they kind of handcuff themselves a little bit or cut those guys after a year or two if they don't feel like they're adequate and then talking to and to about Zach Wilson too yeah like a lot of I guess just general fans are like oh well it's a New York market like it's hard to play in the, I feel like the New York football market is different than the New York, New Jersey basketball market. And then especially the New York, New Jersey baseball market. Like I don't think the, the New York media for the jets is really up there. Like you said, they really haven't had a winning quarterback since friggin' Mark Sanchez. So the expectations for him on the jets team right now is, Hey, just try to get better as the season progresses. There's really nothing like, Hey, you don't need to go win eight games. You don't need to make the playoffs. Like it's totally different. So yeah. Zach Wilson is in a more kind of carefree situation than Mac Jones, like you said, with all the money. And then obviously Bill Belichick getting older too. He wants to win. He doesn't want to wait three, four, five years to rebuild and be good. He wants to win right now. So he figured let's spend all the money they possibly could to kind of jump in the front of the line there. And the Jets, I mean, you also have a rookie head coach, and you've already you already also had devastating injuries on defense. So the expectations are not there in terms of a win loss mm-hmm. record for the Jets. I mean, if they get four or five, I mean, I think that's a win. Um, yeah. So they have the ability to kind of hide in and developing AFC East that will get a little bit more broader into the discussion when I finish my point. But like. Zach Wilson has more time to make mistakes, I feel, than Mac Jones does. Because even though New York is a very tough market to play in, no matter what the sport is, no matter what team mm-hmm. they're on, I think there's a there's a general understanding in New York that Zach Wilson is going to be a project. He was he mm-hmm. he's not, he wasn't the quarterback at Ohio State. He wasn't the quarterback at Michigan. He wasn't the quarterback at Alabama. He was at BYU. So it's going to be a little bit of a learning curve to adjust the NFL speed a little bit more than what Mac Jones had to deal with at Alabama. Cause that's much closer to a college. That's much closer. Alabama and the sec is much closer to the professional game. In my opinion, than Zach Wilson had to deal with at BAYU. Same thing kind yeah. of happened with Daniel Jones going from Dukes in the NFL is different than an sec quarterback going from 
the SEC to the NFL. So I think mm-hmm. that Zach Wilson has more time with that, with the rookie head coach, with the fact that, you know, they've had a lot of injuries on the defensive side and not, not much is expected of them anyway. So I mm-hmm. think it, it, there's going to be less pressure for Zach Wilson to win. I think it's more going to be like, show us that you could be the guy going into year two. And yeah. Mac Jones, you need to win now. I feel like mm-hmm. that's kind of the vibe. And that's tough because that AFC East is tough. It's re- it's a real bear of an NFC East. You got the Bills, mm-hmm. who have finally figured out. Remember, they were the team that was terrible for two decades. They get yeah. Josh Long, MVP-level quarterback. You got the Dolphins, who had double-digit wins and missed the playoffs last year. And they're going to have Tua. And they, they're going to take the training rules off. They're going to have Tua go. He's going to be the starting quarterback. Um, as I lost you for a second, there you are. Um, and then you got Mac Jones, and then you got Zach Wilson. So a ton of young first-year, second-year quarterbacks, a lot of talented ones, and you know they're all going to be fighting for the Bills spot. I think the Bills are the overwhelming favorite, um, but you know those the the Dolphins, the Patriots, and maybe if a miracle happens, the Jets are going to be fighting for those wild card spots. Um, it's not going to be easy because those two those teams are going to kill each other twice a year, all of them. Yeah, and I think the Bills, as awful as it is to admit it, like they're as as good of a Super Bowl contending team. Like they're probably a top four team in the, in the entire NFL. Like they're just top to bottom, so well constructed, so well coached. And you have Brian Dabble, who's the offensive coordinator, who easily could be a head coach, easily could have been the head coach of the Jets if they wanted it. And it just it it sucks when you go through the schedule when it comes out and you. As a Dolphin fan, I have to look at the Bills, and I'm like, those are probably two losses. And I, I, it's tough for me to even say they're going to split because the Bills are just that damn good. And just they always, always beat up on the AFC East. Again, that's why like they, they'll probably – they could go easily 6-0 and in the AFC East. And that's what I mean. That, that, to me, like when you are perfect in the AFC East against your, your other division rivals mm-hmm. – that's when you know you're a legit Super Bowl contender and one of the top teams in the league. And again, same kind of thing. They really didn't lose anybody. And so yeah, why, why would they essentially get any worse? So that's what, it, like you said, I think the AFC is going to be all potentially running through Buffalo too. If there's a slight hiccup in Kansas City, mm-hmm. but at least the AFC East, it's going to be very tough for anyone to try to kind of fight for that top spot. And that's what makes it hard as we kind of like segue into your dolphin segment of the show. It's gonna be hard to judge what the dolphins are because obviously they won 10, 11 games, was it 10 games? 10. They won yeah. 10 games. So you can't automatically look at their 10 wins and say, okay, well, the next step is obviously 11 wins. That it doesn't necessarily work like that in the NFL. Yeah. The schedule's never the same. And of course, you know, there was the Fitzpatrick part of the Dolphins last year that kind of stepped in when, you know, Tua might not have been ready to kind of really take the organization by the reins. Now you're giving the keys of the car to Tua and, you know, you got the, you got the bills there. You got an improved, um, improved, I'm sorry, improved Patriots team, obviously a Super Bowl contending bills team. And then you got a Jets team, even though the Jets, I, we would probably both agree would be the seller of that division. It's still not Gase and it's still not Darnold. So they, yeah. talent wise, offensively, should be a little bit more of a fight. So it's not necessarily mm-hmm. the idea of, okay, the next step is 11 wins in the playoffs instead of 10 wins and just missing. It's not, it's not exact. It's not, that's not an exact science in the NFL. Um, mm-hmm. So in terms of the Dolphins, of course you want to make the playoffs. And of course you think you can make the playoffs with winning 10 games and then having two number one draft picks with, um, with Waddle and who was the other guy? Uh, Jalen Phillips. And Jalen Phillips. Of course, you want to make the playoffs, but it doesn't exactly work like that. So Dolphins, I feel like the most important thing is you got to make sure Tua is the guy. I think Yeah. I still feel like, and it might be hard. I'm not a Dolphins fan, so I'm not going to live and die by it. Like you would mm-hmm. or some other Dolphin fan friends that I have who are like, you got to make the playoffs. I feel like it's more important that Tua proves that he's a franchise guy necessarily than them going into a wild card game. Yeah, again, it's it's on the surface, it's like yes, you, you need to to make the playoffs. But then again, it's like I'm kind of more looking for all right, is can the defense, which was like a top seven defense last year, can they continue to do what they did? And I'm not asking for top two or, or the best defense in the league, but can they prove basically last year wasn't a fluke? Because that was a crazy jump. Exactly. That, 
Exactly. So that that's probably step number one for me. Number two would be all right. Is is the offense as a whole gonna gonna be better? They invested a, a lot of kind of uh, draft capital with Jalen Waddle. They have Albert Wilson coming back. You paid Will Fuller up to twelve million dollars. So are the weapons gonna help out? And then obviously all eyes are on Tua. And then I think it it kind of has to be like you said. And I think the Dolphins are positioned perfectly because if if the season kind of goes how it goes and, and Tua just sucks completely. And even though I still think, I don't think one and a half years is enough to really evaluate someone, obviously because Josh Allen had two full in his third year, he blew up, but their position where, Hey, if they want to make a move next year or the year after that or whatever, they have the draft picks to do so. So they're in a, in a position, the dolphins right now where they can still kind of slow roast that, that talent or slow cook that, that talent that they have and that they got via the draft and then kind of plug and play some premier uh, free agents if they wanted to. But if they really see that defense take another step and then Tua isn't the guy, then you can uh, go get an Aaron Rodgers or go get a Deshaun Watson next year if you really wanted to. Like there's, to me, especially with the Bills being how great they are, there really isn't a rush for 2021 to be like, this is do or die year. And then another big thing too, just kind of outside of Tua, because I think it's obvious you're looking for him to do well and to prove that he's the guy, like you said, I think the bigger hot seat, which is crazy if there is one, but to me is the offensive line. They've invested a second rounder in Liam Eikenberg this year. They invested a fourth rounder into Solomon Kinley last year, a first rounder into Austin Jackson last year, and then a uh, previous third rounder, I want to say three years ago, into their center, Michael, Michael Dieter, and they haven't really invested any money elsewhere into that offensive line and a second rounder into Robert Hunt last year as well. So not a lot of money, but a lot of draft picks, which is obviously opportunity cost there. So if they don't figure it out and they're kind of my weakest link on the team right now, if that offensive line doesn't figure it out, I think you have to just take all every dollar and cent you have and invest into the offensive line next year. Yeah. And you know, it's tough to have a bad offensive line and a developing quarterback. And that's what I'm dealing with as well with the giants whose offensive line has been terrible for a decade. And they still have Daniel Jones, the dolphins. You're going to find out really quickly if this is a chance to go to the playoffs or not, because their first four or five games I'm looking at. It's tough. tough. It's yeah. Bills, Raiders, Colts, Buccaneers, before you get a little bit of a break with the Jaguars, but who knows, maybe Trevor Lawrence just balls out. Um, yeah. that's, that's rough. I mean, you're hoping maybe through the first four games, you sneak in two and two, if you're two and two that you're ecstatic, I feel if you're a Dolphins fan, mm-hmm. um, yeah. but you know, that's, it's, it's not an easy schedule and they're going to, it's a real big test for Tua right away to get some, get some snaps against the, um, one of the upper echelon, some of the upper echelon teams in the NFL, of course you got the bills and the Buccaneers and then, you know, the Raiders aren't terrible. The Raiders could take a step forward. Again, they're a wild card team that you're going to have to compete against. And the Colts as well made the playoffs last year, even though they have a new quarterback and Carson Wentz, who I don't like at all. But mm-hmm. you know, that's still that's still tough. So you're going to know pretty quickly where the Dolphins' season is going. And if it goes south, then you got to be like, you know what? We just got to play this season for Tua. Yeah, and I think, like you said, everyone's going to be very hypercritical of those first five games. But the back end, like that middle to back end, really, really opens up for them. You get, and you play the, the the Jets twice. You play, like you said, you play the Jaguars. You got the Giants mixed in there. So it's like everyone kind of j- is going to really need to give this season and this team the mm-hmm. full 17 games. Because football isn't like baseball where it's like, all right, we're kind of panicking at the at the halfway point. Let's, let's trade for a quarterback or let's trade for a starting pitcher. Like that's not – how this is going to work. Like you're going to have to give this team and this coaching staff the full 17 games to see what they can do. And again, that's, that's how it should be too, because yeah, it, it just with where they're at and we could segue this into the giants. We're at the point where it's like, we should be kind of competing for the division, but it, it's kind of that awkward phase where it's like, what are we? We're kind of at, at, a, at a crossroads a little bit. I think the giants are, a year ahead in in that regard. And also there's a little bit more of a light at the end of the tunnel with the division with them, because the NFC East really isn't that as competitive. There's no bills in their division. Like, like we were talking about earlier. Uh, Week six through um, six through nine with the Dolphins, Jaguars, Falcons, Bills, Texans, 
Um, you got teams that you could beat. You can beat the Jaguars. You can beat the Falcons. You can beat the Texans. I don't think the Texans are going to be good at all. You have no idea who the quarterback's going to be. And then obviously mm-hmm. you got the Bills. So if you could take care of those games and then take care of like the Jets in week 11, because they play the Ravens week 10, that'll be tough. And you got, you got Jets, Panthers, Giants. Then you got Jets again, Saints, Titans, Patriots. I mean, if you could, if you could split your division record, if you could split your division games and go two, four, six, three and three, whatever, however it works, I don't even. Yeah. But if you can go 500 in the division and you take care of what you can take care of with the lesser teams at the end of the schedule, then you're going to be there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, playing the win loss game never it never happens like it never works. Like, yeah, no, yeah. Definitely. Every time the schedule comes out, we play the that's a win, that's a win, that's a loss, that's a loss, that's a win, that's a loss, and it never comes true at all. So mm-hmm. you just got you got to play the games, but definitely that first four or five games to be really really important for the Dolphins if they want to make the playoffs, um, and I'm sure they do. It's going to be really important for them to go two and two, two and three, three and two maybe. You can't go yeah. zero and four, zero and five. Obviously, no, definitely Every, not. You can say that about any, any team. Yeah, it's not really hard hitting analysis on my part, but you know what I mean. Um, yeah, to get a first a good start. Um, the Giants, the Giants have to win the division in my opinion. Jobs are mm-hmm. on the line. Gettleman on the line. Jones on the line. Barkley on the line. Ingram on the line. Every single job yeah. on the line for the Giants because they really pushed their chips in and said, we think we can win the division. They got Galladay. Um, the Barkley's coming back. It's year three of Daniel Jones. They decided to keep Gettleman. And, you know, basically at the end of the year, last year, last January, John Mara went out and pretty much said so. Um, he said he's sick of not making the playoffs. You know, it's been nine times in the last 10 years since they won the Super Bowl that they've missed the playoffs. That's, you know, that's not acceptable. Yeah. Especially, especially in New York. So the Giants, the offensive line's bad. I mean, I've, I didn't watch a ton of the preseason. Um, I don't know if you feel the same way, but this was the most uninteresting preseason. I, I, I couldn't get through it. It was just that bad. It was, um, yeah, it was, it was definitely, quality, uh, it was just that bad though. I didn't watch I think, it, but like the analysis yeah. that I've read and the highlights that I've watched have shown me that the giants offensive line is going to be a problem, um, which mm. is just staggering to me because how can you just go year after year after year without addressing it or getting it right? Um, but the giants, even, you know, you take a look at their roster, you take a look at their defense and their secondary and the weapons that Daniel Jones has, assuming that they're all healthy. They, I feel, are the most balanced, at their best, the most balanced team in the division. Not necessarily the most talented, but like from the three phases of the game, I feel like they're most balanced. And I think they can win the division. I think, and I expect them to win the division. If they don't, I think heads are going to roll. Gettleman, they have that extra first round pick with the Bears. So Jones on the line. And then Barkley, this is year four. He's coming off a major injury and he's a running back Mm -hmm. in an NFL that kind of deviates away from star running backs at this point already. He's his job's on the line too. So if things don't go well for the giants this year, a lot of changes are coming next summer. I don't think that's debatable. Yeah. And I think this has been a, an underwhelming off season for the giants. I mean, again, they, they, you got Galladay, but that was kind of like you had to, you needed to get your number, your number one wide receiver. And I think the Kadarius Tony pick in the first round was definitely a little questionable. I think he'll, he'll be a great player, but getting a first round pick from the bears is always awesome. But yeah, I think the giants defense is definitely very underrated, which is crazy. Cause like they're very, very, very good in, in a New York team and a new something a good about New York team being underrated is a uh, is a problem but I think the Eagles I'm not really high on I think the Cowboys they're like a college team where it's just offense only and I think Washington I know they're kind of propped up by that defense I think they might be the favorite in the NFC East I, I really think that this could be the year that Fitz makes it to the playoffs and, and leads his own team but again, there's no reason that if the Giants do win the NFCs that I'm going to be surprised. No, I think I think any of the teams, if you say that, you know, the Eagles or the Giants or the Cowboys or the Washington football team, if any of them win the division, I think I'd be like, yeah, I can see it. There's really an avenue for all of the teams to win the division. Every avenue is probably not as, you know, clear as the other, but you could make a case that any team could come out of that division 
on top. And last year it was Washington. Um, and now Washington, I guess, is an upgrade at quarterback. But again, Fitzpatrick's never made the playoffs. Yeah. And, you know, that there's something to say about that. I don't think that's a coincidence. I think there's fundamental mm-hmm. flaws in Ryan Fitzpatrick's teams. But mm-hmm. you know, I don't think Ryan Fitzpatrick's ever had a defense this good. Um, yeah. I think the Cowboys, you know, they haven't had a great defense in a few years. But I think Micah Parsons is a really good player. And I think he can make a big difference. Um, and then, of course... I just feel like if Dak stays healthy, then it's it's da- Dallas's division with Duluth. I mean, I know the last full season Dak had two years ago wasn't great, but mm-hmm. that division's so bad that I think an average Dak is probably better than any of the other quarterbacks in the division. And I think yeah. that I think that's you know an indictment, I guess, on Daniel Jones's development. Daniel Jones is a guy you see the tools that he has, you see that he's mobile, he can run. You see that he has his deep balls graded out as one of the better deep balls in the game. Mm-hmm. That's something that's encouraging. And then the weapons that he has and the running back that he has behind him, the turnovers are the problem. If he continues to turn the ball over the way he does, and it's hard not to when, you have, when you're running for your life every single play, but mm-hmm. it's not going to work out if he can't hold on to the football. I don't know if you saw the Patriots-Giants preseason game, I did, but he mm-hmm. threw a terrible, terrible interception in the red zone. But then he also makes a great throw. Jones, turnovers, they, they can't, you can't obviously prevent every single turnover, but ball security yeah. is the most important thing. If Daniel Jones has this epiphany and he's a ball security expert overnight, then mm-hmm. I think the Giants can absolutely win the division. And I think they could start to believe in Daniel Jones for a year four, five, six, seven. But until that happens, you know, I'm going to be cautiously optimistic. Yeah, I was say real, real quick before we get into some Super Bowl predictions. If the Giants do end up making the playoffs, who do you think person, player, coach, or unit it will be the most valuable or the MVP of, of why they make the playoffs? Then? Oh, it's going to be the defense. The defense is great. You got Peppers, you got Logan Ryan, you got McKinney for an entire year healthy. Um, I, I don't really, I'm not really confident that they're going to be able to rush the passer consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, that could be a problem because you can have the best secondary in the world. Um, you can have 12 Durrell Revises out there covering everybody, mm-hmm. but if you can't, if the quarterback's in the pocket for eight, nine, 10 seconds, you're not gonna be able to cover them forever. So that's something that concerns me, but that secondary to me is really, really good. I think it's top five in the NFL. So if they could turn the ball over they can force interceptions and get short field for Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley then I think the Giants could be off and running I don't think they're a Super Bowl contending team if that even if that happens but I think mm-hmm. that if the Giants make the playoffs it'll be on the back of the defense no I think I would, de- I would definitely agree there um well same question to you about the Dolphins so I think I get it I, I the defense definitely did more than enough last year but I think this season is just going to be live or die on on Tua and I think if the offensive line can just figure it out for just a a little more than one and a half two seconds I think he can definitely lead them to the playoffs again probably won't be the division but I think basically all eyes are are on him right now and if they don't make it I don't think it's going to be on him I think it's going to be on the offensive line so it's kind of weird how it's like hey if they do make it, it's going to be probably kind of through him but if they don't I think it's just because the offensive line is that bad because I've seen enough from him this preseason that hey he can do it and I see and he's healthy and all that good stuff now so he's got the weapons the offensive line just kind of needs to figure it out they don't need to be great but you need to be respectable you can't be atrocious like 25 to 30 second offensive line because then you're basically punting on this year and even punting on evaluating Tua at that point. If it's just circle back on the giants for one second, because this just pops in my mind. Mm-hmm. What do you expect from Barkley? Because, you know, out for the longest time ACL tear, I, we mm-hmm. think he's going to play week one on Sunday against the Broncos. But again, um, he hasn't had a lot of, he, he didn't play in the preseason. He hasn't really practiced much. He hasn't gotten hit. He hasn't been full pads. So the chemistry with Daniel Jones might be a little rusty. You can say the same thing about Kenny Galladay, who hasn't been a giant mm-hmm. and hasn't taken anything from Daniel Jones, and he's going to run out there week one 
and you know not have any chemistry so to Saquon Barkley's point you got week one against the Broncos and then you have three days later the Thursday game against Washington you know it's it's going to be rough to expect Saquon to be the Saquon that he was in the in his rookie season yeah I think they're definitely going to put him on a little bit of a load management uh system there especially with that Sunday into right into Thursday. I think that's just a nightmare for a person coming off an ACL injury. I think they're really going to rely heavily on a little tandem backfield, but I think, which is perfectly fine because you want him pretty much to just get out of this season alive. You're not going to make him a Derrick Henry and say, go run the ball 30 times because I don't think that's going to be of the best interest for the franchise. And I think having him when he's in the game, be hundred percent fresh and then also hundred percent confident in himself and his, his knee that's what you want right there. You want a healthy and you want a confident Saquon instead of, all right, go run out there and be 80% of yourself. Cause I think at that point you're better off putting in whoever they have as the backup running back. But I definitely think Saquon's going to bounce back. I just think you're not going to see the real Saquon until maybe week five or six. Yeah, It's going to be up until October when they say, go ahead, do it. Um, mm-hmm. I on a pitch count, the first few first month of the season, let's, uh, let's talk about, quarterbacks that change teams because there's a lot of quarterbacks that are at different spots now you have Goff, who's in los angeles you got no Goff is in detroit stafford's in los angeles you got wentz in indianapolis and so on and so mm-hmm. forth what quarterback do you think is going to have the most success with his new team i think it's it's got to be stafford i just think mcveigh will, will figure it out with him and i think stafford is criminally underrated but i'm very excited to see what happens there I, I would agree with you. Um, I think Sta- I think Stafford is a real interesting guy. I feel like he never got exposure in Detroit. I feel bad because he's a great talent, and like he never really got it. Did I lose you again? No, I'm here. There you are. Okay, great. So yeah, I think I think Stafford in Los Angeles is going to be a brand new you know change of scenery. You're not in Detroit. No offense to the city of Detroit, but you know it's not Los Angeles, obviously. Yeah. Um, I'm the most interested. I don't know if he can have the most success. I he could he could flop. I don't know, but I'm the most mm-hmm. interested in Sam Donald to Carolina. Um, Ooh, just to yeah, get out definitely. of the, to get out of the toxic situation that he was with the Jets with Adam Gase and you know all that nonsense they had to deal with on that mm-hmm. side in, in that, you know, situation with the jets, you could have been to Carolina, you know, he's not going to get killed by the media every single day. Like he was in New York. He has a familiar face in Robbie Anderson. He has the best back in the game in Christian McCaffrey. I think we're going to see more of the USC quarterback than we did the jets quarterback. I think that I've always been a guy that said, listen, Sam's a good guy. He's I, I think Sam's a good player, but he's just in a mm-hmm. terrible, terrible situation. I think he has the opportunity to prove to everybody not only that he's, you know, a good quarterback and he's a quarterback that you could build around, but, you know, coaching is just as important as the talent that the player has. Like if you have all the talent in the world and you go into a crappy system with a terrible head coach, like he was, you're going to be bad. Everybody makes, everyone laughs at, you know, everybody, every, the whole big joke is that, you know, there was all these guys taken ahead of Tom Brady at the quarterback position. Um, and how the, the the Jets passed over Tom Brady all these times. Well, if Tom Brady got drafted by the Jets. Is he Tom Brady? Because, you know, he didn't have Bill Belichick coaching him. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that Sam Darnold in Carolina is very, very interesting. And I think it's interesting that he's week one against the Jets. I think the football gods are just the best. For <laughs> um, and, and how Jets would it be if Darnold went out there and he threw for 400 yards and four touchdowns and they won the game? That, that would be the most. Yeah, no, I mean. That that would be almost, my prediction. I'm almost half expecting it, but yeah, I, I think and I think it's gonna be one of those situations where like, like like Sam Darnold did not did nothing wrong for the Jets, like you said. It was just like you had Gase, you had the back end of Bowles. It was just kind of a, a dumpster fire yeah, there. Like the was, offensive line was always bad. Like it wasn't like he they were was always on each wrong. other in the front office. There were GMs getting fired. There were yeah power struggles. It was just a mess. And you know he yeah. didn't help. And it wasn't his fault. Preface that he didn't help himself. He didn't exactly play well with the all the distractions. But how could you? You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's interesting. Um, Carson Wentz in Indianapolis. I'm not really expecting. Yeah, much. it's it. He'll be he'll be he'll be himself. Like it won't be yeah. great. Won't be bad. It just it'll be serviceable. A lot of bad turnovers. I feel like I don't know if that. I don't think 
he's going to save his career out there in Indianapolis. I think he's just a placeholder until Indianapolis mm. finds a different guy. Um, trying to think who else I'm missing. I mean, go- Goff in Detroit, no one yeah, cares about. Nobody cares. I don't think. Um, I don't think Dalton's going to last long. In... No, there's journeyman. Yeah, I think Fields will be the quarterback by week three, week four, if, mm-hmm. if not sooner. So I think it's really going to be Stafford and Donald who are going to have the eyes on him in terms of quarterbacks that switch positions. Mm-hmm. Um, let's let's move on. We haven't talked about the Chiefs amazingly. I feel like every show last week we started with the Chiefs because they were just so mm-hmm. good. We haven't talked about the Chiefs at length and in depth so far this episode. So we just do that real quick and really kind of just segue into the Super Bowl contenders, talk about them, and then talk about who we think is going to be in the Super Bowl and win it. The Chiefs were done in by the offensive line last year. Um, you still oh, yeah. got Mahomes. Um, you still got all those weapons. But, you know, it, the question is going to be, is that offensive line going to step up? Now, I, the funny thing is, up until that Super Bowl, I knew the offensive line wasn't perfect, but it was never that mm-hmm. bad as it was in the yeah. Super Bowl. That was probably the worst performance by an offensive line I've seen in my entire life watching football. So you don't think they're going to be that bad game <laughs> out. But when you get to the playoffs and when you get to facing teams like the Bills and the Buccaneers and, you know, the Browns, who we can talk about later because we haven't talked about them yet, the mm-hmm. offensive line needs to protect, protect Mahomes no matter how great he is and how elusive and slippery he can be in the pocket. Offensive line needs to step up. That's kind of yeah. where we are with the Chiefs. We know they're going to be there in late January. You know, they're going to be in the divisional round. You know, they're probably going to get a bye, probably going to be in the mm-hmm. AFC championship game. It's just in that AFC championship game and in the Super Bowl, if they make it, is that offensive line going to not collapse? And that's basically the only question for that team. Yeah. And I, and I think, obviously, they spent a large sum of money on, on Joe Tooney and they drafted Creed Humphrey in like that second or third round. So they, and they picked up another tackle too, and they kind of basically traded away or uh, released uh, Mitchell Schwartz, one of their tackles from last year, and then Eric Fisher as well. So they've kind of rebuilt that offensive line. And outside of that, they're pretty much the same team. So it's like, if you just say, Hey, listen, we have a better offensive line and everything else is the same. It's, it's hard to, to doubt them ever when, when Mahomes is back there anyway. The Browns. The Browns were there mm-hmm. in the playoffs last year, lost to the Chiefs. What do the Browns do to get over the hump? I mean, them getting J- Jadavion Clowney and then kind of improving that defensive backfield uh, with, the, with the big couple big-name safeties and then Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa in the draft too. I think they kind of enhanced their defense. And then obviously you get OBJ back from injury. And again, I am so happy that he's healthy and I'm really, really, really praying that he can be – what he is again because I just I saw a thing today it was like that his famous catch was in 2014 like mm-hmm. that's just so long ago and I just feel like yeah. football we is seniors in high school yeah like, like he just he's such a good polarizing player and I think he's gotten past the whole diva stage and I just think that he's a superstar but he just needs to be on the field and he's, he needs to be good again he needs to be himself again but I definitely think the, the Browns thing. are a great team. Here's my little uh, here's my little comeback with that. The Browns were better without him, statistically. Do you think that's a coincidence? Do you think that's something to that? Uh, uh, I mean, you, I think definitely – I think the play calling maybe was tr- really trying to play through him, and maybe that wasn't the best thing. I think they probably should have just went more and done what they did after his uh, injury, where it was just kind of like, hey, we're going we're gonna to hit the open man. So maybe they pro- – I'm assuming – Stefanski probably learned from their mistakes and shortcomings when he was on the field. And then they learned from their success when he was off the field and say, listen, this is how we're going to kind of handle things in 2021. Um, So I think the top three in that AFC are in no particular order, the chiefs, Browns, and bills. I think those are the top three. Um, We'll see what the, um, we'll see who else comes out of the AFC. You don't really, Mm -hmm. really love the, um, you don't love the Texans, obviously. I'm um, trying to think. Titans. Who else is there? Titans. Of course, you got the Ravens, but, you know, yeah. the Ravens still have that playoff kind of, you know, Lamar still has that kind of playoff bust. Mm-hmm. Um, they did lose to the Browns in the divisional round, I believe, because the Browns beat mm-hmm. – I mean, the Ravens beat Tannehill and the Titans in the wild card yeah. game. 
So we'll see if the Ravens could get to that next threshold of elite status in the NFL. Because right now it's those three, the Chiefs, the Browns, the Bills, and then slightly below them, I believe, is the Ravens because they really haven't Mm -hmm. done it in January like those other teams have. Um, And then the NFC, it's as we talked about Packers, Buccaneers, and you don't really know what Stafford's going to be yet. That's kind of a show-me kind of thing. Um, The 49ers and Seahawks have a lot of question marks. Um, Mm -hmm. And then obviously you don't really trust anyone in the East. And then, you know, the Saints are like, who are are the Saints at this point? Mm -hmm. Um, So in terms of Super Bowl predictions, are you going chalk with last year's matchup with Chiefs, Buccaneers, or are you going to switch it up a little bit? I think I'm going to go Packers and Bills. Just I just think Bills. I think you're gonna get a storybook ending with Aaron Rodgers. It just it makes too much sense right now. It does. It does make a lot of sense. Um, I count. I pet against Brady every single year, and it never works out for me. <laughs> I feel like this year I should ride with Brady. Tom Brady versus Baker Mayfield, who could not be two completely different people in the world. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's two of you. I, I root for drama. I root for the story. I don't really care, you know, if it's the right pick or if it's the better team in the Super Bowl. But I think Brady against Odell and Baker Mayfield in LA for the Super Bowl. I think there's a ton of storylines with that. I think it would be fantastic. That's what I'm rooting for if the Giants don't, don't make it. They won't. They won't. Why would I ever think that the Giants would? So I think that. Mm-hmm. You know, Buccaneers going for the repeat against Baker and the Browns and the city of Cleveland, who have watched a ton of bad football over the years. I think that would be the most entertaining. Of course, my heart says Kansas City because I love Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes, but hard to make three straight Super Bowls. The odds yeah. are against you to make three straight Super Bowls. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. Mm-hmm. It'll be fun. And, you know, it's going to be a very good season. I don't know if I lost you again. Did I lose you No, again? I'm good. We're good. All right, we're good. I'm going to wrap this up before this gets worse. Yeah. For Matt Farrar, my name's Glenn Thank you for dealing with this shitty Wi-Fi. Ice the Kicker <laughs> will be back after week one to recap week one, talk about week two, and off we go for the 2021 NFL season.